the, what we're talking about today is the idea of spiritual empathy. Right? Sounds interesting. Spiritual empathy, um, it's a little bit hard for us to understand because I think what we first need to understand is empathy itself. Right? What is empathy? How would you define empathy? Connection? Okay. To feel something for somebody else. Okay, so empathy, that's what, that's what it really is. It's the ability to understand and to share the feelings of another person, to kind of put yourself in the place of another person. Okay? Now, we have a mitzvah in the Torah that is called Behafta Lorecha Kamocha. I'm sure you all heard of this. And we translate this loosely, Behafta Lorecha Kamocha, to mean you have to love another person the way you love yourself. Does anyone here feel that they actually love another person the way they love themselves? I'm not talking about your child. Okay? Right? Exactly. Right? I think this is a very hard mitzvah. How do you love another person the way you love yourself? So listen carefully to the terminology of the words here. Any Hebrew speakers in the house? No? A little bit, right? Okay. They have to... Okay, so you... No, 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 you don't want to be, okay. <laughs> well, make believe you don't. Hi, come inside. Okay, good. Please come in. Have a seat. Okay, so we are talking about the idea of spiritual empathy. Okay? Listen carefully to the words. You should love l're'acha to your friend, the, the lamid in the beginning of the word actually means to or for. Okay? Love for your friend, kamocha, just like yourself. Listen to the nuance here. It doesn't mean necessarily that you have to love another person exactly the way you love yourself. You have to love for another person the way you love yourself. That means you have to want for another person the same way you want for yourself. That means just like you want success for yourself, you have to want success for another person. Just like you want health for yourself, you have to want health for another person. Does this make sense? Right? And I think if we understand it like this, it's a little bit more attainable. I think we could understand a little bit more how to achieve this. Now, don't think this is so easy. It's actually difficult to really be happy for another person's success. <laughs> um, no, that's fine. No, no, they're in there, but the door's closed. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's not so easy to, to just want to be happy for another person. We still struggle with this. If somebody has something that you really want, but they got it first. They have success in that area. And of course, there could be many different examples of this. Right? You want a child, and you are struggling with being able to, to have a child, and then somebody, your friend, goes and has, and has that child. That's painful for you, and it's difficult to actually be happy for them. Right? If you want a certain promotion or a certain position, and then you don't get it, and somebody else gets it instead of you, it's hard to be happy for them. Right? So we do struggle sometimes with, feeling emotion for another person, and especially if it's a happy emotion. 
And we, have a, we struggle with feeling a happy emotion for people sometimes. We can also struggle with feeling a sad emotion for someone because we're afraid of too much emotion. Sometimes being really empathetic for another person is difficult. It's not easy. And then we have the struggle because on one hand, we can be really happy for another person, but on the other hand, at the same time, we can be feeling a little bit of resentment. And the question really is, can we feel this conflict of emotion? Is it okay? Right? Is it healthy? Is it possible? So we're not getting into that completely because I do want to move on to spiritual empathy, but just in a nutshell, we can feel conflicting emotions. Okay? That's okay, especially when we're working towards a greater level of empathy. It's okay to still feel your own pain or to still feel your own um, disappointment while you're feeling happy for someone else. That's fine. But I want to talk a little bit about why we might struggle with feeling empathy today. Why do we struggle with it? Anybody know? No. <laughs> you purposely keep your mouth shut? You have a lot to say. I know you do. <laughs> I don't want to want to admit to that. So we kind of brush it away. Okay. You think that you don't want that to experience the actual feeling? Right. Okay. You don't think about Okay. I think Okay. The thing is that I think that we we're gonna I'm gonna to touch upon this in a minute. I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I want to use the word selfish, but I do think that we are in a society today that is very self-absorbed. Okay? It's self-absorbed. Uh, we live under the mantra of live and let live. Right? You, you do you. You do your thing. Um, everybody can do whatever they want. We don't have to get too involved. And I think that as society progresses and as technology progresses, we are becoming more and more removed from people. We are becoming more robotic and less connected. And every single thing as technology progresses is actually designed to make us less connected to people, which is fascinating and frightening. Okay? And I think that's a lot of what's going on now. We have a problem actually connecting, but even from a philosophical place, it's this whole mentality of live and let live where we are being taught, don't interfere with other people. Let them do what they want. You do what you want. And there's no greater good. There's no bigger picture. It's all about right here, right now, in the moment. You do you. If this, if this makes you feel good, go ahead and do it, sweetie. Go do it, right? And if that's what makes them feel good, let them do that. And that is the society that we're living in, and that removes us completely. Now, not only are we removed from other people, but this actually removes us from feeling our own emotion, right? This also blocks us from our own self-awareness and doesn't allow us to actually, so, we're, so we get into this place where we deny our own emotion also, right? Where we don't want to feel anything at all, okay? Hi, welcome. Okay, um, so again, under this idea of live and let live, what's the most important thing that we're taught today in our society, we are taught the only thing that matters is your happiness. As long as you're ha if this makes you happy, well then go and do it. There are three 
main drives in a person. Three things that drive us. Okay, number one, the heart. Number two, the ego. And number three, the soul. Three main drives. Now, we often confuse the three of these things that we don't actually know which is the voice of what. Is that the voice of my heart? Is that the voice of my ego? Or is that the voice of my soul? Now, how do we define what each voice is? The heart wants to do what feels good. The ego wants to do what looks good. The soul wants to do what is good. Right? Right? You like that? Isn't that good? I'll say it again. The heart wants to be, you're writing it down. Good for you. The heart wants to know wants to do what feels good. What feels good in this moment. I want to say this. I want to eat this. I want to wear this. I want to do this. Impulsive behaviors or what 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 a reaction. Right? Being reactive. These are all heart voice heart voices. Okay? What feels good in this moment. The ego wants to do what looks good. What are people going to say about me? My impression, my reputation, how I look to everybody else. That's the ego. Then we have the soul. The voice of the soul says to us, I don't care what other people say. I don't care what, the, what peer pressure is telling you. I don't care what society is telling you. Is this the right thing or not? Is this something you should be doing? The, the soul is what makes us think for a minute before for being reactive. Take a moment and think it through. Is this right or wrong? That's the soul. The soul says, I don't care about momentary pleasure. I want you to have long-term pleasure. Because when you make the right choice, you'll have much greater happiness and it's going to be much longer lasting. So that's the voice of the soul. Now we have become very, very desensitized to all of this. We've become desensitized to the voice of the soul, we become desensitized to emotion, right? Everything has become a big blur to us, and we have a hard time actually differentiating between them. <coughs> um, things happen. We hear, we hear news. Every day we hear a tragedy, okay? Unfortunately, every day we hear a tragedy. And sadly, you know, when, when you say, oh, did you hear what happened? And our answer is always, when? Which day? Right? Oh, the one from yesterday or the one from today? Right? Every day, unfortunately, tragedies but we've normalized them, right? We're sad for a minute. Oh, poor thing. All right, what's for dinner? Right? We just kind of get on with life. We've become so desensitized, we don't actually feel. Okay? Everything has, has become a blur to us. Here's the thing. When we are so focused on the voice of our heart and ego, when we're so focused on what I want to do right now, when we're so focused on the self, as you said before, right, our society, we become so self-absorbed. When you're so focused on the self, not only do you disregard others and other people's needs, but we're actually disregarding ourselves and our own needs also. Because we end up feeling very lost and confused without a purpose in life, without a direction, without something deeper than just the me, the, the little picture of me in my corner of the world, we feel lost and confused, and then we end up feeling desperate, and we need to hyper-focus on ourselves. Yes, exactly. That's when we need to hyper-focus on ourselves. 
So all of this really comes from a lack of self-awareness of who I really am. Who am I really as opposed to the persona, the ego me, or as opposed to the desires, the heart me? Who am I really? Who's the soul me? That's really the question. So now I want to, okay, now we, this was empathy. Okay, we get down a little bit of empathy. Now I want to move on a little bit to the next level of what we're calling spiritual empathy. Okay, for those of you who walked in late, that's really our topic for tonight. We're talking about spiritual empathy, what it is, how to achieve it, why we need it. All right? The same way we are disconnected from other people, the same way we're disconnected emotionally, we can also be disconnected spiritually. And disconnected spiritually doesn't mean we're not doing mitzvot. We can be doing every single mitzvah. We could be doing more than the mitzvot. And we can still be disconnected spiritually. Okay? We can be so hyper-focused on the behavior of the mitzvah. We can be so hyper-focused on the external aspect of the mitzvah that we actually forget the entire reason that we're doing it at all. We can be so focused on how I look when I'm doing the mitzvah. Am I moving? You know, this motion is called shuffling, right? When you pray, right? Am I shuffling deep enough? Do I look like a big righteous person to those around me? Right? Am I, you know, you can insert any mitzvah you want to insert right now in your own mind. Am I doing it to look good? Because that's ego. Or am I doing it because right now this feels comfortable to me, but when it's inconvenient, I won't do it? Right? That's heart. Or am I doing the mitzvot for the real reasons? Am I actually connected to them? Because sometimes what we have today is a society where we have started worshipping Judaism instead of worshipping Hashem. Right? Where we worship the behaviors instead of worshiping God. Is this what God wants me to do? Or, or am I just supposed to be looking good for my society? Okay? And there is an inconsistency here with this. And this is something that we really need to understand because we... Okay, again, I'm new to Miami, so I don't know if you have some of these situations here, but I know in many, many other areas... There's something important that we need to understand. Okay, we you know before I begin that example, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain something first. Okay, so scratch all that. We are taught of a, an important concept, okay? Every single Jew, and here are the Hebrew words, call Yisrael arevim zelazeh. Every Jew is responsible for another. You've heard this before, correct? Okay, now, how do you always interpret this idea? Every Jew is responsible for each other. So sometimes we understand this to mean if somebody's hurt, I should go help them. If someone needs something, I should go take care of them, which of course is all very nice. But this concept actually goes a lot deeper than that. It goes so much deeper than that. Kol Yisrael Arevim, the word Arevim, actually the root of the word in Hebrew, again, you speak Hebrew? Okay. The root of the word Arevim actually means a guarantor. Right? You know what a guarantor is? Somebody who um, you sign as the guarantor for somebody, and if they don't pay their debt, you actually have to stand in their place and pay it for them. Uh-huh. Right? 
that is what exactly exactly and so this is this is what Aravim actually means. It doesn't just mean that, oh, all Jews are connected or brothers and sisters. That's so poetic and so, you know, emotionally pleasing, right? Oh, we're all brothers and sisters. That's beautiful. It's so much more than that. It's actually a lot more, it's deeper than that. It's that, hi. It's that we are actually each other's guarantors. That means if you don't do something right spiritually, yeah, you can go that way. If you don't do something right spiritually, I have to step in. I'm the one who has to answer to that. Right? That means I am actually responsible for another Jew. I'm actually responsible for another person. Isn't that incredible? Right? This is what it really means. And therefore, if we see somebody struggling, and this is, again, the ahasta l'reacha kamocha, do I just care about my own spirituality or do I care about the spirituality of another person right if I see somebody else struggling do I have to go help them I do in every area spiritually also right we all have an obligation to help another person so if we are in a situation where people are sitting around and speaking right what should the response actually be being a guarantor what does that mean it means I will have to answer for this person. Now, it means I will have to answer in this world. It also means I have to answer in another world. If there is somebody who is struggling in some way, let's take an example. Um, somebody you know um, has, you know, is really struggling with an eating disorder. Okay? What's your position? Are you supposed to go talk to them and try to get them help? Or are they not going to listen to you and you might make things worse? Right? Sometimes you're in this position of, what's better? What do I do? Sometimes you can have somebody who is making Galchilul Hashem out loud. Right? They're in, in public. They're desecrating the name of God. And you're in a position, what do I do? Do I stop them or am I going to make it worse? Sometimes you saying something can actually fuel them. Right? And sometimes you're in this position of, am I, I have to be responsible for another person spiritually. Um, what do I do, right? I'm in, this, I'm in this tight situation. What do I do? So a few things that we need to understand is responsibility is something that we can actually have control over. First of all, if it's something that's private and we don't even know about it, it's not our responsibility, right? It can't be our responsibility. But if it's something that is not private, people are speaking Lashon Haras. Somebody has you know, a certain illness that they might need help with that maybe they're not getting the right help for or whatever it is. How can we help? We have to know that we are doing everything we can to help them. We have to say it if it means saying it the right way. If it means that we cannot say something to them because it might go the wrong way, the least we can do is what? Okay, right. But at least we can pray for them. We can pray for them. We can try our best to do whatever we can to show that we care about them. But to close our eyes and say, oh, that's their problem, not mine. Oh, poor thing. He has a hard life. Not my problem. No, is there any way you can help him? And here's the example I wanted to bring in before. I don't know what the school system is like here, but I know in other places, I just this week alone, I was on the phone with three different people who live in actually a, a, similar, a, a, a similar area, not exactly the same city though, who are struggling with getting their children into school. Uh, they have all different situations into Jewish schools, okay? One of them, religious schools, actually, okay? 
One of them had a situation where her daughter was kicked out of school, in high school, for doing what? She, okay, now you have to be familiar with the structure of religious schools. Some of you are. I know that they have um, very strict rules in terms of dress codes and different things. She was caught out of school wearing leggings. Under a skirt. Okay? But the school rule is no leggings. Now, this is a different issue, whether or not how healthy these rules are. Different topic. Bottom line is, they kicked her out of school. Okay? Her parents just had to spend weeks trying to find a new school for her because nobody else wanted her either because, oh, she was kicked out of that school. Okay? And I can tell you story after story of what keeps happening. And it's really terrible. Uh, uh, some of these things that go on, and I, I, I take a step back for a minute, and I, and I say to myself, why is this okay? Why is nobody doing anything? And I want you to know, I can tell you dozens and dozens and dozens of girls that I know that are not in any school at this moment because they cannot get into a school because they don't reach, they don't, um, there's a certain criterion that they just don't meet. They're wonderful people from wonderful families. Nobody is willing to be the one to say, oh, I'll accept them because everyone is so scared of their reputation. So here we have principles that are doing mitzvot and they're praying every day and you look at them on the outside and they look like these holy people. And again, I'm not judging them. They might be very good people. It's not my place to judge, okay, at all. And I'm, you know, I'm just saying bits and pieces of stories. But you have these people, and, and yet the reputation of their school is more important than the life of, of children, right? Because I'm seeing this over and over again. And this is the point where we have to stand up and say, what is my responsibility? And I gave you one example of schools, but we have so many different examples, I think, in many different areas. Right? What's my responsibility? These are my brothers and sisters. Do we have any of our children have kids in their class who are getting bullied? Sometimes if it's not our child who's getting bullied, okay, whatever. Thank God it's not my kid. And we just walk away from it. There could be another child who's suffering. Is anyone standing up for them? Is anyone helping them? Right? It's our responsibility this is what's called spiritual empathy also, not just regular empathy, right? When we have to say, what can I do to make a difference? How can I help another person? How can I help them spiritually? How can I help them emotionally, right? What is my responsibility? And that is what a guarantor is all about. Now, here's the thing. I was saying before that a guarantor is um, for this world as well as for the next world because, of course, when we get into the next world, if we did not do all we can do, we are going to have to answer. We're going to have to answer. We're going to have to say, look, this was your brother who was suffering. Why didn't you help them? Well, it wasn't me who was suffering. What should I do? Right? We're going to have to answer. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about here in this world. If you know, let's go back to that example of someone you know with an eating disorder. If you try to get them help and it didn't work, okay, you tried. But if you don't try, what would happen if, God forbid, something happens to that child? How would you feel? Oh, I could have helped them and I didn't. Right? You know why? Because we should be. We should be feeling the pain of another person as if it's our own pain. We should be feeling what anyone is going through, not just emotionally, but even spiritually. This is what it's all about. This is what Arevim says. That means this is what Tisha B'Av is all about. Okay? Instead of the baseless hatred and rejection 
that, that, that has been throughout the years. It's all about going out of our way and extra to want the very best for another person, just like we want what's best for ourselves. Okay, now I want to, we're going to end in a few minutes for this, but I just want to, I want to get into, uh, make it a little bit more practical. This was all a little bit lofty ideas of empathy, of spiritual empathy, connecting everything. Now I want to bring it down to a practical level. Before we do that, are there any questions or any comments? Anybody? No? We're good? Okay. So, here's the thing. The main question, how do I become empathetic? Now, this is really a general question. How do I become more empathetic in general, and how do I become more empathetic spiritually? Okay? Same answer. So let's go to the person who was the most empathetic person in the entire Torah. And this person is Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu, his claim to fame, what was his main strength? Chesed. Exactly. He was chesed, which is loving kindness, and we all know he was known for his hachnasat arhim. He was known to always go out of his way for people, to help them if anyone needed anything. This was Avram Avinu. Now, here's the thing. He was also the person who created monotheism. He's also the person who taught us how to connect with God, how to love and how to connect with Hashem. Right? This was the same person. So now we have this question, what's the connection between the two? Right? How does his ability for chesed, his capacity for chesed, lead him to be a crusader for monotheism? What is the connection here? So listen carefully to this. Giving people an attachment to the truth, giving people an opportunity to have more meaning in their lives is actually the biggest gift we can give to them. Avraham Avinu said, look, my home is open. My home is open to anyone who needs a meal. That's great. Let them come and have a meal. But you know what? Feeding them is nothing. Anyone can give someone food to eat. It doesn't have to be me. Food, what's food? Food is the most basic thing that I can give to someone. If I really want to save someone's life, if I really want to connect deeply, if I really want to give the biggest and the greatest gift in the world to someone, I'm going to give them an opportunity to have meaning in their life. I'm going to help them connect to something deeper, something greater because that's what he realized was the biggest truth in life. And that's what he did. And that is how we learn to be empathetic people. Right? When we, are, when we have an opportunity to tell somebody, I'm sorry, you're speaking Russian hard. I don't, want, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be one of those people who gossip. We're above that. We're not one of these people who have to speak negatively about another person. Come on, let's talk about something greater. Let's discuss something on a higher level. You're creating spiritual empathy, right? You're giving something to someone that they were lacking that's more important than any other kind of empathy and that's more important than any other gift that you can possibly give them. So here's the thing. And again, we're going to end with this because I know everybody's hungry and tired. And my, and my brain is totally not coherent also. Mm -hmm. so I'm like all over the place. Anyway. So if we, here's what we need to understand. 
in order to really be able to build up this idea of empathy, being more empathetic person in any area of our life, we need to, number one, two things we need to do. Number one, we need to learn the importance of caring about another person, of really and truly caring about another person. We have to take a step out of ourselves. You see, there's a big problem where, again, as we mentioned before, when we're taught that the only thing that matters is my happiness and that I have to pursue and pursue and pursue my happiness. Because by doing that, we're actually not creating happiness and we're actually not even feeding our emotional needs. And I want you to know that this is a problem in general today um, with a lot of modern psychology. Now, don't get me wrong. I think you know, certain aspects of psychology are wonderful and very helpful to many people. But there are certain parts that actually are not aligned with Torah, and those are the parts I have an issue with. Okay? And part of that is what we're taught today is the tremendous emphasis on self. Always do what you feel right. Do what makes you feel good. Do what makes you feel happy. And I want you to know that is absolutely the worst way to heal. It is absolutely the worst way to find true happiness and true meaning in life because the only way for that to happen is to actually get out of yourself and not to focus more on yourself. And the problem today is that we're so, we are so busy with that focus on me and my needs and my happiness that we actually um, forget about what's happening beyond. We don't even pay attention to it at all. We cannot possibly pay attention to it. And we fall into this, this uh, dark area of me, me, me. This is what causes us to be overly sensitive. This is why we get offended by everything today. Every word is an offense to somebody because we're so focused on me and my needs. We need to understand that the world is so much bigger than our own little tiny corner. It's so much bigger than just little me. There are so many bigger problems. There are so many bigger uh, beauties. There's so much more pleasure out there in the world if we can just get out of ourselves and into other people. So again, what we're being taught today is you want happiness? Focus on what makes you happy, and that's wrong. You want happiness? Get out of yourself. Focus on what another person needs. That is how you can benefit also. So number one, how to work on empathy? Forget about what makes you feel good. That's all heart. That's all ego. Soul tells us to focus on another person. And that's long-term happiness as opposed to short-term pleasure. And number two, the Torah and the mitzvot are ultimately the greatest good that we could have in life. The greatest, beyond anything, beyond anything material. So if I can help someone to stop speaking Lashon Hara, if I can help someone to work on any other spiritual goal that they have or spiritual deficit that they're encountering, then I just gave them the greatest gift in the world. There's nothing that could possibly be better. I'm actually saving you. And that's what we all do. So let's remember, in order to, to be more of an empathetic person, we have to get out of ourselves. We have to give other people something deeper, something more than what they have now. And I'm going to end just with tying this all together to fish above. Are you all familiar with the famous story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa? Yeah? If you see some of you are, some of you aren't. Okay, so I'll tell it to you very briefly, just so we can put this all together. So there was a famous story, um, this goes back to the time of the temple, where um, 
there was a very, very wealthy man. Actually, we don't know his name. His name is unknown. Very wealthy man who made a party. And he wanted to invite to the party. Um, his, he had a good friend whose name was Kamsa. Weird name, I know. And he had an enemy whose name was Bar Kamsa. Okay? Now, of course, what happened was he sent out the invitation and he sent it to Bar Kamsa instead of Kamsa. And who shows up at the party? Bar Kamsa shows up. So you can picture the scene. This guy is at the party. All of a sudden, the host realizes his enemy is sitting. It was a big, elaborate, fancy party. Lots of Jews invited there. Very wealthy guy, as I mentioned. And Bar Kamsa is sitting there. The host of the party gets up. And he says to him, what are you doing at my party? Please leave right now. And Bar Kamsa was deeply embarrassed in front of everybody. And he says, no, can I, I'm here already. Can I just stay? I'm sorry. I was invited. I guess it was a mistake. But now that I'm here, can you please let me stay? And the guy said to him, no, get up and get out right now. And he was deeply embarrassed. And he said, please don't throw me out. I'll pay for half the party. And the guy said, no, get out right now. And he says, please, I'll pay for the whole party. And again, he said, no, get out now. And he, he was humiliated and he left the party everybody saw what happened and in the end a whole series of events he was so angry at the people who were there the Jewish people who were there the rabbis the leaders of the generation were all there and they didn't say anything nobody stood up in his defense and he was so angry he actually informed the government on them and got them in a whole lot of trouble bottom line uh, fast forward and the entire destruction the entire exile really happened because of what happened over here and the question that we have is, he had a good question, the Star Kamsa. The question is, um, where were all the people? Why did no one stand up for him? Everybody's watching. All the people are sitting there watching. Hi. Um, the rabbis were there too. How come nobody did anything? And this really goes back into the whole idea of, of what we're talking about, our revut being responsible for each other. Look at the destruction that happened. Till today, we're in exile because of that story, right? Partially, right? Um, because when we see something, if you see something, say something, right? If, you, if there's an opportunity, when somebody is getting humiliated in front of you, it is our responsibility to stand up on their behalf. And this is with anything. Okay, so let's remember... Uh, we're going to end with this, and I'm going to open up the floor to questions, okay? Um, but let's remember, let's see the time, okay, good. Um, this idea of being responsible for each other, the idea of that we, I need to want for you what I want for myself. I want to be able to, whatever I want for me. If I'm praying for something for me, if I'm praying for my child to get into a good school, I should pray for your child to get into a good school. If I'm praying for my child to um, marry the right person, to get a good shidduch, I should pray for your child too. Whatever I want for me, I should want for you. This is Kamocha. This is spiritual empathy as well. Okay. You can message me later with any questions. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you have um, the rest of your fast. should be meaningful, should be easy. Everybody say goodbye. Bye. Okay.